by. Connecting to all systems. Loading kicks. Sequencing drums. And applying melody. This is Variation Radio with your host, Saad Ayu. Variation. Welcome to a brand new episode of VRTN Podcast. I'm your host, Saad Ayub. This week, I have a special guest speaker who recently got signed to my label for his debut three-track EP called Before Long. His name is Corey Goldsmith. Corey is a budding artist and who is born and raised in Atlanta, but living in Boston, who also has a PhD on chemical physics and also works at Isotope as software developer. So welcome, Corey. How's everything going? So we're doing this today on Clubhouse instead of doing it in a Zoom room, which is kind of a little bit of different style to take on, but let's let's get started. How are you? Hey, Saad. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, you know, just, just hanging in there. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey as a musician so far leading to this EP release. Yeah, man, it's been a it's been a crazy journey. Um, so I uh, was, um, you know, inspired by mainly, you know, my mother growing up. Uh, she is a musician and has been pretty much her whole life. And so I um, started playing drums and a little bit of clarinet and started playing guitar and bass and keyboards Um was in uh, several bands in high school and, and college. Um, kind of switched over to music production um, when I was about 20 years old. Um, I basically got, you know, as much as I loved playing and writing musics, music with bands, um, I got kind of tired of, um, I guess, writing music by committee is kind of how I call it. You know, you... you um, might write a part that you, you know, really love, but if the rest of the band doesn't like it, then it's, you know, it's gone and vice versa as well. Um, and I, I, you know, decided I wanted to, to pursue a PhD. And so I moved to Colorado to do that. And I couldn't, you know, stay with the band I was at, uh, with the current time. And I was actually planning on, um, stopping music at that point. That was 2012. Um, but I realized, you know, I, I wasn't ever going to stop. I couldn't stop. So I, I kind of um, was producing and DJing on the side, playing some shows while, while studying and, and doing my research for my PhD and, um, you know, making mainly trance and a little bit of techno. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of picked up from there, especially after I, um, I graduated with my doctorate and could spend more time on it. I also realized like halfway through my doctorate that I wasn't going to be fully happy if I didn't do something related to music with my life. So I did an internship in the middle of my PhD in Berlin um, with Ableton doing software development there. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is definitely what I want to be doing. So after I graduated, I ended up uh, with Isotope and it's been, you know, a dream being able to, you know, basically 
make a living off of music full time um, by doing that, and then you know producing and on the off time, and um, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy journey, man. Um, it's it's kind of funny to talk about it now and look back on on everything that kind of brought me here. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just really stoked about about this EP that's coming out, and um, I think it's it's a it's a good direction that my music is going in. I mean, I always have elements of both trance and techno in my music. I try to keep it more on the techno side, but um, I'll always have some melodic aspects and some driving aspects as well. Um, I still produce some progressive on the side as well, but most of my focus goes into into techno. That's amazing. So since you mentioned a little bit about your PhD uh, degree and the music that you had a hard time, so was it really tough to juggle between the studying to get your PhD degree and music? 100%. I mean, I didn't really get to. So the way I kind of saw is I was living a dual life. Um, I was a scientist by day and a musician by night. And, um, you know, it, it, it didn't give me enough time to really, you know, I was still progressing in terms of my, my production ability, but it was at a much slower pace than I would have liked. I was, I was releasing on, on some smaller labels and, um, and, uh, DJing when I could, but it was really tough, um, tough kind of balance, especially, you know, DJing late nights and then having to go back to doing physics the next day. It, it, it was exhausting. Um, I wouldn't, you know, have traded it for anything else. I mean, it was great to be able to do the, both things at the same time, but I probably would have finished my doctorate a little bit earlier had I just focused on solely on, on my doctorate and not focused on music as well. But, um, it, it ended up working out and, um, you know, now I have a lot more time to, to spend on it. And especially because my day job is, is working on making really good plugins and that only helps me in my journey and, um, you know, I've been writing music since I was 12 years old and, um, you know, I'll never stop. I was never going to stop writing music, but in terms of terms of like the, the technical aspect of pr- producing, I, it wasn't until later along that I was able to get a lot better at it because of, um, not having to split my time on it as much. And also just being at Isotope and there's such a wealth of knowledge around, um, mixing and mastering there that it, it really helps a lot. And I feel like, you know, the progression I've made over the last two years while working for them has been, you know, ten, uh, tenfold uh, over what I was doing before. That's great. Actually, that would be my second question is that same thing. Like, do you have a hard time juggle your life between, you know, being a software developer as an in Isotope versus working music? Uh, is, that, is that really a hard thing to do or... Is it something that you are fi- able to find like a balance? So it's it's a really good question because there are times, especially like so. Um, basically, when uh, before the pandemic, um, at the very least, um, when I came home, I was in a different space. So you know, when you're when you're developing music software, um, yeah, you're either spending time looking at code and writing code. And then when you're testing it, you're looking at, you know, Ableton or Logic and then the plugins. And so then 
you know, your motivation to do the same thing when you get home can be a little down because you're like, man, I just spent all day looking at, um, you know, audio software and now I have to do the same thing again to, to create. Um, so, but, but before the pandemic, at least it was a different space. So I could leave the office, come back home and I, I can, I can be creative, but then the pandemic happened and we've been working from home and that became a little bit difficult as well because you're not even in a different space anymore. Um, it's the same exact spot you were sitting all day at work, staring at the same sort of software. Um, and yeah, sometimes it's, it's definitely a struggle, but other times you get even more inspired because um, you, you figure something cool out at work and you're like, oh man, I got to try that after work and, and, and incorporate it into my, my own productions. And, um, it's just, you know how it is. It's like some days you're inspired and other days you aren't. And the days that you're inspired, even, you know, having to use the technical side of your brain at work, isn't going to ruin the inspiration that's, that's coming along. Um, it's, uh, I've also had, you know, days where I'm not planning on producing, but then um, an idea comes into my head and I have to hop on in the studio immediately and, and, and get it out there before I forget it. So, you know, it's just whenever inspiration strikes, um, I'm going to be hopping in, you know, and um, yeah, that that idea of of staring at audio software all day can't even stop that. So it's definitely a balancing act. And, um, you know, some days are, are easier than others, but, um, yeah, there's definitely a struggle sometimes and it, it goes in waves. Um, I think towards the beginning of the pandemic and like, I guess we can say towards the end, I mean, it, we don't really know if it's ending, but like the past couple of months I've been feeling really inspired. Um, and in the middle section, um, it was kind of rough, but and a lot of, um, I mean, it relates a lot to the story of this EP, to be honest, because I finished, so before Long was finished in um, Scotland, actually. I went to Scotland for a month to visit um, some good friends of mine, um, Stephen Kirkwood and uh, Stephen Galoni, and stayed with them for a month. I had to quarantine for two weeks, of course, going over to the UK, but once quarantine was over, I was able to use Steven's studio and, um, it's kind of hard to, to not be inspired, um, when you're in a different environment and especially in a country as beautiful as Scotland. And, um, you know, I, I was able to, to, you know, ride that inspiration pretty hard. And then with liberation, that was actually a track that, um, I had started a long time ago. And then my friend SK, um, AKA forward, um, who also makes really good side trance under formula none. Um, he came over and, um, he was visiting siblings in, in New York. And I was like, well, if you're going to be in New York, you might as well come visit me in, in Boston. He's a really good friend of mine from back when I lived in Colorado. And he came over and I was telling him about this track I'd started a while ago that had kind of like side trance sort of elements in it too. And I showed it to him and he, and he, and I was like, I just never got around to finishing it. And he was like, this is actually really good. Like, we should collaborate on this and, and finish it. And, um, having him there with me, like really helped, uh, the inspiration a lot. And then no in between actually came together real quick. Um, that happened, you know, 
not even, I think I just finished it when I sent it to you. Um, and that one was just, you know, inspiration starting to come back as I, um, you know, was coming out of kind of a funk. And so, yeah, it's just about taking advantage of those, those moments where you're really inspired. And then, um, when that happens, nothing can stop you regardless of what you're focusing on at work or, or anything like that. No, that's great. One thing you mentioned that you were able to, um, like focus on music regardless of watching plugins in your screen for a long time. That kind of resonates because I, I used to have like before I used to have roommates who used to be like master chefs. Right. And it was really hard for them to like come back home and talk about food because they're just like so sick and tired of it. So it's really, I can see that kind of like translating to even into your industry too. Like, you know, if you're, developing softwares for music for like hours and hours it's gonna be really hard to kind of like just make music but if you're able to do that that's like a really strong way to do so so big ups to you now here's another question since you mentioned about those ep which is great and i'm really excited for those and we're going to be talking a little bit more about how you got so many support from some of the legends but what's the easiest way for you to define your sound as a musician who's just getting to know you? Oh man, that's a great question. It's, it's a, it's a hard one too. Um, I'd say, um, man, I guess if I had to pitch myself, I'd say like driving techno with, uh, some, some, uh, a lot of trance inspiration, um, kind of like that age where techno started turning into trance way back when, um, that's kind of where I like to, uh, to live. Um, and, um, I've just, you know, I've been messing with my sound for a while and just really trying to find, uh, you know, what, what I like to make. And, and it's always somewhere around that realm of, of somewhere in between techno and trance and, um, and, uh, just really, using whatever whatever inspires me and um usually it ends up being you know driving bass lines um um you know a lot of percussion obviously um i just really try to make it like super danceable and and driving i guess and um yeah it's, it's hard to explain one's own sound isn't it um a lot of uh i like to try and use some vintage sounds as well um and uh, it's really just whatever I'm feeling at the moment. I try to capture that emotion and 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 really put it into whatever I'm making, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I feel like that is so important, and that resonates with me a lot too. Because when I started as a musician, people know know me through uh, trends. But now that I produce a lot broad spectrum of different genres of music, it kind of is a little bit hard for me because you know sometimes people still think that I'm an uplifting trans producer, so as you can uh, <laughs> tell that some, some of the time when we are like hanging out on Clubhouse Room, people still think that way. But end of the day, I mean, just like how you said, as long as you're comfortable of whatever you want to make based on like how you feel, that's very, very mo much more important than anything. And it's, it's a little bit easier to plateau if uh, like in your career, which I even did, uh, if you're just sticking to one genre and then it kind of like gets really hard tasks to kind of like push that genre even further. And if your fans kind of get dedicated into it, it's going to be even more, uh, much more harder to like 
break through that whole box. So I'm glad that you're from the very beginning. You have this um, sound that is kind of like defines a little bit like in the middle between trance and techno, which is really cool. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, it it was also difficult because um, it's been a journey in the sense of trying to find the right middle ground because, you know, a lot of times I would produce tracks that trance labels would say is too techno-y and techno labels would say is too trancey. And it's like, well, you know, what am I supposed to do then? You know, because it's just, it's like, I'm going for that, that middle ground, but neither genre kind of accepts it into that category. And I feel like I'm finally starting to get to the point where I can call it techno, but it still have those trancey elements. And it also helps that both genres are kind of moving that direction right now. So I feel like it's really a prime time for people like us that like to, um, to kind of mix the two. And I've seen that with, with my friend, I mentioned Stephen Kirkwood earlier, and I've seen it happen in his career. He's a, he's a really good friend of mine, but he's also a huge influence. He was a a mentor of, of mine and still is in a lot of ways. And, um, it's been great to see his career develop, um, in that sense, I mean, he just got a techno track signed to Anjuna. I mean, and like it's Anjuna, but like you know, Alan Fitzpatrick was supporting that track when he was working on it, and um, it's it's just like a really cool time for the industry to see um, techno moving in a trancier direction and trance moving kind of a techier direction. It's I feel like a really good time for for people like us who like to live somewhere in the middle and are influenced by both genres. I definitely agree. To be honest with you, there was, uh, I think it was two, three years ago. So I feel like I was a little bit ahead of the game. I mean, in a way, but uh, I was trying to like kind of push this whole techno versus trans kind of like an idea uh, when I first started uh, to move away from the whole uplifting trans sound. And that was like a really hard task. And it, the hard task, when I say, it was hard for me for my fans to kind of understand it and also my colleagues in the industry kind of understand it and then i either had a choice where i could just be like okay you know what let's drop that idea and just go full-on trans back to where i was which i could have and that's the easy way out for me uh but i chose to do just move the other way around just go techno and then produce trans on the side because that what helped me with that is more you know, kind of breathe a little bit rather than getting choked on because I have to produce trance all the time. And yeah, like you said, like it's it's a great time for that right now because um, even I'm hearing a lot of organizations who are event producers, they are thinking about that whole blend too. So we are excited because Variation Record Label is basically just that. It's a variety of different sounds that kind of blends. So we are really happy to have you on board and welcome you to VRTN family. Yeah, thanks, man. It's it's really exciting to to be amongst like-minded people and and um, to really be able to spread my wings a little bit. Because like I had been making kind of both um, and doing um, techno tracks as well as like tech trance. And it was actually, um, I was at dream state with a, a friend of mine, Evan Dackerman, who used to go under tangle and then made Psytrance under Sentinel seven. And, um, he also made, um, uplifting and tech under, um, Evan Pierce. And, um, unfortunately he hasn't really been making much music recently, but has really, um, a good friend and, and, and still is. And, um, he once told me while we were at dream state, he was like, look, man, like 
your uh, your tech trance is is decent, but it's it's just not like very like new or original and your techno really you know stands out to me and I think that you have something special going there and you should focus more on that um and I took that advice to heart and really tried to start you know spending all my time on on making techno and I think it's it's worked out really well for me and and my trance my trance roots kind of translate better um when I'm making techno versus just making trance like it's I, I, I guess, like, I don't know how to put it, but I feel like I've I've really been in my zone ever since focusing all of my time on techno versus just doing it like 50% of the time. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy I got that advice when I did. And I think it's it's leading in the in the right direction. That's actually great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I know Tangle guy. Uh, the I don't remember his name, but I do know Tangled and the record label that he used to be with. Now, here's a here's a quick question about your EP. Now, there's three tracks EP coming out. You mentioned about uh, what the process went behind it. So one of the tracks uh, is called Liberation with your friend Forward. Tell us a little bit about the story on that one. How did that track came into being? Yeah. So like I was saying before, it was, um, it was, uh, man, that, that track is a long story. Cause I made it, I started making it a long time ago. I had this cool baseline idea and, um, kind of wanted like a kind of some side trance elements in a, in a techno track and just stopped making it after like, it was like sitting on my hard drive for a year and I didn't do anything with it. And it wasn't until SK who's forward, um, was coming and visiting me over in Boston that he was like, you know, this has a lot of potential. We should really finish it. And I was like, yeah, dude, let's just collaborate on it and you can help me. Cause you, he makes side trance under formula none and he's, you know, been killing it with his side trance alias and is just really proud of him and the, the progress he's, he's made, he's released on some of the biggest side trance labels out there. Um, and, and he kind of, kind of facilitated that sort of sound design and, um, that kind of like psychedelic aspect to it. Um, and then, uh, we had it at like a 97 to 99% done state. And when I went to Denver in December, I stayed with him and we finished it in his studio and he has like a, a virus TI that we played around with. And that really just, um, really added this different dimension to the sound of the track. And by the time, um, I had left, Denver, we were done with it and it was ready to go. And we started sending it out to some labels and, and, you know, luckily you really liked it and, uh, and it could be a good addition to this EP. Um, the name of it, liberation. I mean, the whole EP was made under pandemic. Right. And so liberation is, is really just about the idea of, you know, being liberated from this kind of lockdown and, um, um, what it's what it'll be like to to be liberated in that regard and kind of was because I was in Denver at the time being safe but at the same time getting out of of Boston and and really um trying to uh yeah to uh get that sort of vibe of what things will be like uh, when things are back to to normal that's great. Um, you mentioned about the virus TI. So tell us a little bit about your plugin and the best or favorite synth that you're using right now. 
Yeah. So yeah, the virus TI that that SK had was it really sold me on it. Um, it's really, really just such a great sound. Um, other than, I mean, and I, I really only used it on that track because I was with him and and could uh, use it there. Just got the Nordwave two um, yesterday, actually, and I'm really excited about being able to use that. Um, I kind of fell in love with it at Nam. And, um, I was like, one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to get that synth because it just seems like it, it's like the perfect synth for me. It, it, it really can make just about any sort of, of the sounds that I like to use. Um, and then on the software side, um, you know, obviously I'm a big user of Isotope products. Um, I know them in and out because I write some of the code, um, so, like, you know, I'm using Neutron, Neoverb, um, Ozone, Nectar, Vocal Synth, um, Stutter Edit. I use Stutter Edit a lot on this EP. Um, and then, aside from Isotope, I use a lot of Native Instruments plugins. Um, I like Supercharger. I like Replica. Um, I use Massive every once in a while. But the main soft synths I've been using are... Um, Silence, Serum, and uh, Anna 2, um, as well as like some of the Ableton stock soft sense, like Wavetable or um, Operator. Those are, you know, Ableton has some great soft sense. And um, sometimes, you know, I don't even have to resort to plugins when I use that. Um, but yeah, for like all the mixing and, and mastering stuff, it's, it's usually Isotope products, um, just because, you know, I know them best, and I also just love the whole idea of what we call like inner plugin communication, where you can have your EQs talk to each other, and um, it makes the mixing process a lot um, easier because of that. Now, since you're the software developer for Isotope, you're the brainchild behind Neoverb. Do you have like a bias when you're making music? Just like you know, you want to use Isotope all the time, or you're kind of open-minded towards other plugins too. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, so uh, first of all, you know, I don't want to take all of the credit behind Neover because I worked with a extremely talented team, and um, you know, I'm just as responsible as as the rest of them. But I, you know, as part of the, you know, I was part of that development team from the beginning when it was just a a brainchild to it being, you know, released in the wild. And so I'm very familiar with it. And, and because of that, and because of things like, and also with ozone nine and things with neutron and, and all of that, like it's, I wouldn't call it a bias so much as it's just like, I know it so well and I know everything that it does and how it does it, that it makes it easier for me to use just because I'm not learning the plugin. I already know the plugin in and out and it's just easier to use it. Um, the other part of the bias is, I mean, I guess you could actually call it bias is that, you know, as an employee, I get those products for free. And so when you get like these really high quality products like RX, for instance, which is like, you know, a really expensive piece of software, but um, I don't have to spend money on it. Well then, yeah, I'm going to use it versus other um, expensive plugins that, um, that, uh, I do have to pay for, which sounds weird, but you know, I mean, that's just how it is. You know, we're all, uh, struggling with how to spend our money on, on various, you know, audio equipment, but at the same time, for instance, like you, um, 
helped me discover a lot of the great things that Plugin Alliance offers. And so like Blackbox, for instance, I've been I've been hooked on. I, I love that plugin. And as far as saturation is concerned in general, I normally don't use Isotope plugins. I, I except for like maybe Trash 2 from time to time. Um, but like I'm mainly using like plugin alliance stuff for saturation or um native instruments stuff. And I've been using native instruments products for ages. And so it's it's actually really cool that we just teamed up with native instruments actually, um, because I'm such a huge fan of them. And for instance, with like, you know, going back to the example of Neoverb, Replica has this diffusion mode on it. And I've been so in love with how it sounds like since forever um, that I still sometimes tend to use that as like a sort of reverb instead of even Neoverb sometimes. Um, and so bias does factor in a little bit, but at the end of the day, I'm just going to use what sounds best. So if Isotope has a plugin that does something, but I have another plugin that does it better, then I'm going to use the plugin that does it better. Like, um, however, like I was mentioning before, it's really easy to turn to Isotope products when you know exactly what they're capable of and and how they they do it. Um, but at the same time, it's like you know whatever gets the job done. And also, since we don't really make any soft sense other than Iris Two, like and Iris Two is more of like a sampling kind of thing. So when I want like a actual synthesizer that's not sample based, like I'm going to turn to something other than Isotope. And at that point, you can really just figure out what's going to what's going to sound best. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of answers that. No, I really love that. And I'm glad that you're open minded towards other plugins, too, because. I can just imagine, like, it can be a little bit biased. Like, for example, I am a lot more biased towards plugin lines. Like, it's going to take a lot for someone to, like, move me away from them because I'm so comfortable with those. So, great answers. Um, another question. Uh, when, it, when it comes to producing music, right, uh, what are the thought process comes into place, especially for this EP that's coming out on my label, VRTN? Uh, what were your thought process for this EP? Like, were you thinking about the dance floor or were you thinking about... Uh, you know, the COVID lockdown, or is there anything special that comes into your mind when you're making or writing music? Man, it's a, it's a little bit of, of all of it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's what gets me excited. Like if, if I come up with an idea, like no one, no one between the second track on the EP is like this, where I came up with a groove and I got so excited about that groove. I was I was dancing in the studio too, and I was like, "Okay, I'm on to something really special here." Um, and 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 I've kind of over the years I've gotten into this kind of process where it's like, if I don't have a loop that gets me really excited, um, that gets me pumped up and and dancing, then why should I expect anyone else to get excited by it or or dance to it? So. Yeah, danceability is definitely something I take into a lot of consideration. Like if it's some, I want it to be something that if you if you drop it on on the dance floor or even if it's just coming up on people's Spotify and they just go, Oh man, like wow, this is really cool. You know, you just stop what you're doing and kind of just like, where did this come from? That just wow. You know, that kind of reaction I get to some of my favorite tracks. Like that's kind of what I like to to pursue um, with my own work, but yeah, obviously the emotional state of it is a different thing, but I usually tap more into these, those emotions, um, 
in the process of kind of getting beyond that first groove. And I don't always start with the groove. Sometimes I start with a melody or, or a breakdown even, and, um, kind of try to portray whatever emotion I'm feeling at the moment. And sometimes that's in the form of a vocal or a, um, or, or sometimes like a drum loop or a specific synth sound. I think now that I have this Nordwave too, as well, I was, I was, I got some ideas for some tracks last night, just screwing around with it and getting really inspired by some of these sounds. Um, as far as the EP is concerned, that was mostly inspired by, you know, kind of the, um, emotional, like, um, how, how do you say it? Like grab bag of the pandemic, like just, it's just such a mix of, of emotions. And I think all the tracks on the EP kind of portray a different, um, like a different side of, of that emotional soup or whatever you want to call it. Like it's, um, it's really like, uh, no in between is more of like, um, you know, it's either here or there, it's nowhere in the middle. Uh, liberation is about more of like um, trying to um, come out of this and and what's on the other side. Whereas before long, it was kind of inspired by like a sort of hopefulness as well that this will be over soon. Um, and but at the same time, it all it all kind of stems back to to what I want sort of the dance floor to feel. But at the same time, it kind of I hope at least what will come out when people listen to the CP is that it's kind of a story being told about the last year um, and kind of the emotions that were going through my head. And hopefully some people will be able to connect with that. We are really excited for this EP to come out. Your EP got supported by some of the biggest names like Jeremy Smaye, Duff Fire, Paco Suna, and Richie Hodden, like, all of those names for your first WAP uh, on VRTN. What does this mean to you, seeing all these tracks getting supported and recognized by the legends? I mean, it means the world, man. It, it, it's like you're always going to be happy with your... Well, or you're always going to be somewhat indecisive about what, how people are going to respond to your music and to get the approval of, of some of the legends. Like, that's, that's what you want to hear, man, because these people are, you know, what inspired you originally and and to get that kind of stamp of approval is is huge it, it means that your journey is is succeeding and that you're going in the right direction and that your sound is resonating with people and that's that's always what you what you want to see and what you want to hear and yeah it's truly humbling man um and um yeah hopefully it's it's you know just the beginning um yeah i mean it, it means a lot that's 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 it in short you know um, but at the same time, like it, it, it's just good from a directional point of view, like to know that your sound is, is resonating and you know that you can, um, continue with that sound and that it will continue to resonate. Yeah. We are really excited to see all the support. And you also have the premiere for this EP coming up on 6am group, which just happens to be one of the biggest techno group in the United States. So how does that feel? Yeah, that's also a really cool feeling. I know um, um, it, I've seen a lot of other friends and artists that I look up to um, covered by 6AM. And so it's really important to me, especially because they're um, 
you know, kind of uh, in the American techno scene, like a lot of people look to them for new music and and things of that nature. And so um, hopefully it'll it'll um, just get the word out, you know, and um, hopefully it also means I'll be able to play in more cities around around the country and, you know, hopefully abroad at some point as well. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's dude, it's been quite the journey and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to hearing what everyone thinks of, of the EP and, um, yeah, hopefully it's only uphill from here. Yes. That's first of all, congratulations for all that achievement so far already. And the track is, tracks are not even out yet. What else is new coming up for Corey Goldsmith? Well, um, I'm doing a uh, remix for uh, you and, uh, and Amanda Katree. Um, I'm really excited about how that remix is going. I'm almost done with it, so I'm um, I'm really excited to get that done with. And then it's going to be starting the the next EP. Um, I've been working on some remixes on my off time. I have a remix coming out on. Um, a New York label called Shakewell Records coming out the week after um, the EP drops. And I'm excited about that as well. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, it's going to be, got to get the next uh, EP ready to go. I have a few ideas I've been working on. Now I just need to, to send them home and um, yeah, just, you know, expect a lot more music coming up um, in 2021. We are excited for that remix and really looking forward to those tracks as well. Um, last question, but we were going to ask a couple of more rapid-fire questions after. But the last question is, what has COVID uh, affected you in what way? And have you got vaccinated? Um, so I got vaccinated yesterday with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Um, had kind of a rough night with it, but um, I'm feeling good this morning, which is good. And I'm excited about hopefully the end coming near hopefully there's no bad variants that come out that um the vaccine doesn't protect against but what did covid wow i mean that's a loaded question um you know the first of all it made me feel insanely lucky to be in the position i'm in working for isotope because i know so many friends um that that lost their jobs and were really struggling um because of the whole thing i have friends that um have family and other friends that have passed away from it and it's just a terrible thing that has occurred in our lifetimes and it's just been such a mental year um and you know it's it's really made me have to connect with myself and and learn more about myself and um kind of prioritize or reprioritize things um made me understand what you know I want to do achieve, achieve musically um, made me, you know, realize how much of a role traveling plays in my life because I've always loved to travel and I did a little bit of traveling during the pandemic, as I mentioned earlier, and, you know, being safe and all, but, um, you know, just having to get away because I live by myself and, you know, it can be, you know, really tough to be by yourself all the time inside and um it really it really tests your mental health and um it's it's just you you do have to learn more about yourself and what your kind of threshold is on keeping sane you know and uh, music has been a large part of that 
Um, but also, you know, making sure to take care of yourself and go for walks and, um, you know, uh, making music when you're down and need to channel that into something. And also realizing how much I enjoy and miss playing out live. Um, you know, I, I was more um, focused on producing um, and I always have been, I feel like creating music is, is my, it, my favorite hobby in the world, but it also made me realize how much I love playing that music out live and, and how much I miss it. And, uh, hopefully, you know, that'll, that'll be happening again soon. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, like it's, it's, it's a really hard question to answer because it means a lot of different things and it's had a lot of different effects on me. Um, and I think I won't even know fully the effect that it had on me until, you know, months after this is over. Um, I think once we start getting back to normal, uh, myself and other people actually realize what that whole period meant and what our regrets are and what our, what things we don't regret. And, um, yeah, I'm just hoping it's, it's coming to an end soon and that these vaccines will work well. And, um, and that we won't have to see too much of a change in in how things function post COVID versus pre COVID. I mean, clearly the world has changed because of it, but um, I'd really like to see the world get back to a state. If if anything, we've learned from it. I hope that we'll learn that you know human life is valuable and that we should take care of each other. And that um, you can't take anything or anyone for granted um, and, you know, to cherish it, I guess, would be the, the short of it. No, I truly feel all that you just mentioned. So we are really excited actually for this EP. And thank you so much for joining me in for this episode of podcast. But you also actually are doing a guest mix for me which is going to be streamed on Apple Music and also on my SoundCloud. So what can people expect for that guest mix? A lot of banging techno, man. I just got the track list before we did this interview. First of all, thanks for having me on on the podcast, man. It's it's an honor to be on here, and I appreciate uh, you giving me the the platform and the chance to, to talk about it. And I'm excited about working with y'all and for the EP as well. Um, the mix is going to just be a lot of banging techno. <laughs> I um uh, and you know a lot of Corey Goldsmith originals including the EP some remixes and then um a lot of the techno that's been inspiring me recently um so yeah I got I got basically the game plan ready I just need to find the time to record it and um and I'll be sending it to you soon so um I hope people enjoy it amazing well this particular podcast will be aired on the 22nd on my Spotify also on SoundCloud and Apple Podcast, and the guest mix will be available on SoundCloud and Apple Music. Now, a couple of rapid-fire questions to wrap it up. Uh, first one, DJing or music producing? Music producing. I, I mean, like, it's a no-brainer to me. Like, producing music is my favorite thing in the world. Getting in touch with your, uh, you know, creative side is something producing and DJing you both do but like you know I've always been a songwriter and that's that's how I approach producing and it's it's the greatest thing in the world I really started DJing just as a means of playing out my productions and why I love DJing um nothing in the world compares to having a good studio day
Beer or wine? Oh God, that's a good question. Oh man. So I'm trying to think of like the best beer I've ever had versus the best glass of wine I've ever had. Whew, it depends on the on the mood, but I'll I'll go with beer. I'm more of a beer guy, but I do love wine as well. So that one's that one's difficult. But let's just go with beer. All right, uh, Miami Music Week versus ADE. Well, I'll be going to ADE for the first time this year, uh, so I have to say Miami Music Week just because I haven't been to ADE yet. But I have a feeling that answer will change after I go um, later this year. I I, I love Amsterdam is one of my favorite cities on earth. And, um, so like if it was Amsterdam or Miami, I would say Amsterdam. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see when, um, when I get, go to my first ADE this year. Okay. This one is kind of tied up to the last question. So it would be awakenings or ultra awakenings. 100%. Uh, awakenings was one of the coolest things I've ever been to in my life. Um, and it's all techno. So like, how could you go wrong? Um, so awakenings 100%. Techno or trance? Techno. Uh, oh. <laughs> Amazing. All right. That was the that, one we, will, we'll, we will wrap it up with that one being said. Thank you again so much for joining in. And Corey Goldsmith's Before Long EP, which has been big supported from Duffire, Richie Hodden, and then we have Paco Suna, Jeremy Esmai, and many, many more, which is out on April 23rd on my record label, VRTN Podcast, and the VRTN label. So I'm really, really excited for this, and we're really excited for your guest mix as well. So I will let you take it from here. And once again, thank you so much for joining in. This is VRTN Radio. Thanks for having me, Saad. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>